This is Tina Douglas, and you're listening to the Liam Photography Podcast with your host, my husband, Liam Douglas. Enjoy! Greetings, everybody. You're listening to the Liam Photography Podcast. I'm your host, Liam Douglas, and this is episode 145. So for this week's episode, I wanted to talk a little bit about freezing motion in your photography. Now, one of the coolest things that you can do with your photography is to freeze motion of a moving object so that you can capture all of the details. There are two different ways that you can freeze motion. The first is to increase your shutter speed, and the second is to use a strobe light or a speed light. Freezing motion using the shutter is easy enough to do to stop motion for an object such as cars, planes, a hummingbird in flight, or even water. To stop motion, just turn your shutter speed up to at least one one thousandth of a second. But the thing to keep in mind is you also, at the same time, need to have sufficient light to pull this off. So generally, this is the kind, this is the technique you're going to use to freeze motion when you're outdoors on a bright sunny day. Whether it's at, uh, let's say, your kid's soccer game or football game, something like that. Or if you're at a NASCAR race or a baseball game. As long as you're shooting outdoors with sufficient sunlight, it should be relatively easy for you to pull that off. So when you do this, by turning up your shutter speed to at least one one thousandth of a second, you're going to make your camera's shutter fast enough that for a brief instant, it is going to be able to stop whatever action is happening. Now, you may need to turn your ISO up a little bit. It just depends on how wide an aperture your lens has. Uh, If you have a fast lens like an F2 or even a 1.4 or 1.2, 1.8, then you might not have to adjust your ISO at all, providing it's a relatively sunny day out. It doesn't have to be super bright, but it needs to be reasonably sunny. You might have a little bit more trouble if you're trying to do that outdoors on an overcast day, especially if you don't have a reasonably wide aperture or fast aperture lens. Now, the second method that you can use to freeze motion, as I mentioned at the top of the episode, is to use a speed light or a strobe light. Now, if you're testing And you can do this around your house because using your speed light, using a a strobe light, the the lighting in the environment you're in doesn't really matter as much, nor does the aperture of your lens. So you can get away with using, say, an F4 lens or maybe even a 5.6. And if you have your strobe's power turned up sufficiently, you'll be able to get what you're looking for you'll be able to absolutely stop the motion. Now, if you want to practice this a little bit in the convenience of your home, an easy way to test this out would be go to, say, your kitchen, 
turn on your kitchen faucet, let the water run, and then compose your shot and snap an image using your speed light or a studio strobe. Either one will work. Speed light might be a little more convenient because it'll take up less room. But if you do that, you should notice when you look at the image after you've captured it that you've absolutely basically frozen the water in midair and you'll be able to see the individual water droplets which can be really cool and fun to play around with um, now the other convenience of the speed light is of course they generally run on AA batteries or they might have a lithium rechargeable battery pack like my godox speed lights do uh, the v860 mark ii's that i have uh, those are great speed lights to do this with, but uh, any speed light's going to do the job. You don't have to have a super expensive Canon or Nikon speed light. You don't even have to have a Godox speed light. You could do this with a reasonably inexpensive young new speed light. You know, and especially if you're a photography student or you're an amateur or hobbyist and you don't have a ton of money to spend on speed lights, you don't need a four, five, six hundred dollar speed light to do this. You can do this with a $50 or even a $35 Yong New. Or sometimes if you go to Best Buy, you can even find the uh, inexpensive speed lights, the universal ones that are made by like Sunpack or something like that. And you'll still be able to accomplish the same thing. And it can be a lot of fun, like I said. And it's uh, a little bit of a creative outlet. Something that you can do to practice your skills get better with your camera, get better with your light, and have a lot of fun at the same time. Now, and then of course, there's other ways that you can kind of freeze motion. And again, back if you're outdoors again, and I've talked about this in a previous episode, and that's using a long exposure. That's a third way that you can stop motion in a manner of speaking. So if you were, let's say at a lake or a river, some large body of water like that, it doesn't need to be a super calm day in order to make that water look perfectly still. So in this instance to do it, you're going to use, especially when it's daylight, you're going to use a need to use a neutral density filter, which again, I've talked about neutral density filters in a previous episode. You can find that in the episode list in your favorite podcatcher. But by putting on a neutral density filter, it will allow you to use a slower shutter speed. And that's what you want when you're trying to freeze the motion of moving water, whether it's, you know, just water ripples because of a breeze blowing that day, or if it's a waterfall, either way, you're going to be able to stop it using a slow shutter speed and a neutral density filter. But that's a little bit of a different technique because when you do it as a long exposure, you're not going to get all of the detail that you get when you stop motion by using a high shutter speed or a speed light or strobe light. It's just a totally different nature. Long exposure freezing motion is going to, if it's a waterfall, it's going to make it look silky. Yeah, you're not going to be able to see the individual water droplets, but instead the water's going to look real silky and almost like a fog in some ways. And if it's a body of water that you're shooting, a lake or a pond or a river, it's going to make that water look completely calm 
like a sheet of ice. So that is another way that you can stop action, but at the same time, you're getting a different effect. The main method that I'm talking about for freezing action or freezing motion in this episode is so that you can capture more detail. So if you want to play around with this, I highly encourage doing it. Um, If you live somewhere where hummingbirds are fairly common, and they generally are, especially in the U.S., um, put out a hummingbird feeder on your porch or something like that or outside your window of your house and wait for the hummingbirds to start coming around. Now, of course, if you're familiar at all with hummingbirds, and most people are, you know they flap their wings extremely fast, kind of like a bee. So if you want to get the detail in those wings, you're going to have to use a very high shutter speed of probably one one thousandths or maybe even one two thousandths if you really want to get the detail in their wings because they're just moving so fast. And you'll also, depending on the type of hummingbird feeder you have, I've actually managed to catch the hummingbird by using a fast enough shutter speed. I've not only managed to freeze their wings and get the details of their wings and all the little feathers, but also managed to get their little long snake-like tongue that they used to get to the the pollen or the nectar whatever you uh, the nectar i guess you would call it or the sugar water if you're using a hummingbird feeder Um, i don't recommend buying the hummingbird liquid feed at the stores because and i don't know if it's changed over the years or not maybe it has but i know for a long time the red dye that they used in the artificial hummingbird food uh, was actually Uh, making hummingbirds sick and even killing them. Uh, So I've always recommended if you wanted to put out hummingbird feeders and capture the hummingbirds with your camera, I always recommend just using water and standard house sugar. Um, I believe it's a three to one ratio uh, to get the correct sweetness level in the quote unquote nectar that's going to attract the hummingbirds but like i said once you do that you set up your feeder position yourself somewhere nearby Um, on my houses i have either a deck or a carport so it's been fairly easy to do that you hang up a couple of hummingbird feeders in a corner or something like that and you can sit on the other end of the deck or carport or whatever and if you just sit there quietly with your camera believe me Get it, we're getting into the time of year where the hum, hummingbirds will show up. Spring and summer is when they're going to be out and out to plenty. So you'll get plenty of hummingbird action and you'll get plenty of opportunities to practice freezing motion with your high shutter speed. So that is all I have for you this week. It's kind of a short episode. Uh, the wife and I are headed out tomorrow morning to uh, North Carolina. I'm recording this on Monday night to schedule it for release on this thursday and we're headed up to north carolina to close on our new house we officially closed on the old house in atlanta today so this house has been sold and we have until april 30th to get completely moved to our new property which we close on this coming thursday the day this episode will release Uh, so as you're listening to this we'll probably be at the attorney signing the papers to take ownership of the new house (laughs) 
remember to check out the Liam Photography Podcast Facebook group. It is a private group, and you must answer a security question to join, which is the name of the host of the show, myself, Liam. And I've also opened it up to allow you to give the name of a previous guest on the show to show that you are a listener. Once you are in the group, you are free to post your own original work. I'm also the admin of the Fujifilm GFX 50R group, which is the largest group for the 50R on Facebook. If you own or plan to own the 50R, you can request to join that group, but you do have to answer two security questions to join that group. You can find my work at liamphotography.net and follow me on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at liamphotoatl. If you like abandoned buildings and history, you can find my projects at forgottenpiecesofgeorgia.com and forgottenpiecesofpennsylvania.com. All right, so that's about going to wrap up this Thursday's episode of the Liam Photography Podcast, episode 145. I wanted to remind my listeners, if you'd like to pick up a copy of my first book, The Forgotten Pieces of Georgia in the Northwest Counties, you can get a signed copy at the liamphotography.net online store, or you can pick up an unsigned copy at amazon.com or barnesandnoble.com. Oh, I did also want to let my listeners know that I did place the order for my Canon EOS R6 today and the battery grip, so I'll have those both by Thursday of this week, the day this episode releases. Uh, So I'll finally have an opportunity to play around with my new R6 while I'm out of town and uh, start getting some images with that, getting used to setting it up and everything, get the new firmware, the 1.31 installed on it uh, to make sure everything is up to date. I still haven't decided yet if I'm going to drop the $6,000 to buy the GFX 100S. I do really want that camera badly, but right now the pre-order demand has been so high that... uh, Nobody's getting their cameras yet. There's a massive delay on getting them shipped out. So I'll have to wait and see on that and still think about it. I would really love to have it. Don't get me wrong. I love my GFX 50R rangefinder style medium format, but I would really like the additional capabilities that the GFX 100S has. And I do know that even if I spend the 6000 on the 100S, I can easily recoup about $4,000 of that by selling my low shutter count GFX 50R. They're going for between 3,800 and 4,000 on eBay for a good condition used one. So I could easily recoup most of my money. Okay, and also remember to stop by on YouTube, check out the Lane Photography YouTube channel, as well as the YouTube channels for Forgotten Pieces of Georgia and Forgotten Pieces of Pennsylvania. Please check out the videos, give the channels a subscribe, a like, share the videos out. And hit the little bell icon so you can be notified when new videos drop. And I will see you all again on Sunday.